Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander and we are Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 174, recorded on February the 8th, 2022. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nativeintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. This is a full-length interview that I did with Mark Lelyveld, a fellow Data Platform MVP and a Power BI expert from the Netherlands. Enjoy! And we are joined now by Mark Lelyveld. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Was that a terrible pronunciation of your last name? No, actually it was perfect. Per- Whenever a Dutch person says perfect whenever i've said anything in dutch i kind of get this feeling that they're really really smiling inside because dutch is anyway um some of you of well some of our listeners have heard your name more than once because you have because you have a tendency here and there uh with great blog content but could you just give us a quick walk through who who you are what you do why are you doing what you're doing and why are you here Let's do that. So, uh, hi, hi all. My name is Mark. Uh, I'm a Dutch guy, 26 years old, uh, living in the Netherlands in a very small village called Haastrecht, which you've probably never heard of before. But you probably know Gouda, which we pronounce as Gouda. And that's five kilometers from my home. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I only eat cheese, but I do like it. Um, but other than that, I, I'm born and raised here, 26 years old. Um, Living on my, with together with my girlfriend now uh, um, in my house. She just moved in like a, a few weeks ago. Um, working as a data analytics consultant at McCall, a Dutch Microsoft partner. Um, working there for four years. Before that, I worked for one and a half years at my previous employer. Um, and that's basically my entire career. So working for five and a half, almost six years. Um, and all that with Power BI. So I can actually tell that I started my career with Power BI and that's what I'm still doing. Um, and I always tell everyone I started working with Power BI when Power BI turned from green into yellow, when it was separated from SharePoint and become uh, became a separate product. Um, if I'm not behind my computer writing a blog post, doing something with Power BI, you can find me riding my bike, any of the three ones that I have right now. Um, road bike, gravel bike, and mountain bike. So that is... Uh, what I do in my spare time. Um, and that also has a long story because before I started working in IT, I worked at a bike shop. Um, and that's what I uh, did during my studies and uh, uh, as a side side, uh, side job. Um, still going to the same shop uh, always if I need something and doing all the maintenance on my bike uh, myself, of course. <laughs> wow, that works. So you're uh, an M- MVP. Um, how many yep. years now? Is this the third year? Yeah, I already have three of those amazing batches. So yeah. uh, if I got renewed, if I have the luck to be renewed in uh, in July, then it will be my fourth year. So because I came on board uh, in October 2018, which basically gave me 2019 for free, and you came on in 2019, right? Yeah, was uh, August 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, there we go. But you're not only an MVP. I mean, th- there's not very many of us, especially data platform stuff. But you're also a fast track. What's it called? 
fast track says something something. No, it's fast track recognized solution architect. And there's not a many of those. Yeah, I'm one out of 33 uh, worldwide. Uh, so there are 33 people getting this uh, this recognition um, to be uh, recognized by the fast track team as a solution architect in the category Power BI. It's a power platform thing actually because there's also fast track recognized solution architect power apps um, and also one for Dynamics, if I believe. So let's backtrack a bit because you said you're 26 years old, which is kind of the normal or reasonable age to get in to this this um, area. But you've worked your entire career with Power BI. And let's just yes. face it, how how on earth does anyone in their 20s come up with this bright idea that, oh, I want to go into BI? Because I, I spent I've I spent 25 years in this business and it took me a long time before I realized that there was something called BI. Well, the fun thing is, I uh, during my studies, I studied uh, business IT and management, which was a bachelor study. Um, and it sounds very fancy, but basically you get part of your education, how businesses work and e economics, and part of it is related to something IT. You get a bit of everything. Um, but it's not really learning to code. It is not doing something from beginning to end. So I had one uh, semester completely focused on BI during my education, and I completely hated that. It was the most horrible thing that I could do. But the fun thing is we, we had to work with ClickView back then, and our teacher was a former student we, who just graduated the year before. Um, because they didn't have a teacher for it. So he came in to learn us how to use ClickView. Um, well, I really hated it. And it's the only uh, uh, semester that I had to do over. Not not the full semester, but just the, the tests on the end. Uh, I didn't make them and I had to do them uh, over again. Um, but after that, uh, in, in the year after, I had to look for an internship and close to my uh, the place where I live, there was a, a large IT company in, in, in Gouda, actually, in Gouda, um, where I could do an internship for the uh, municipality of Gouda regards, with regards to uh, Wi-Fi uh, wi and Bluetooth tracking in the city center. And that's where it all started, because there's a lot of data that you can get from that. Um, and back then, it was some kind of a gray area if that was allowed or not. And um, because you're like literally tracking devices, which you can refer to a person. Um, but this is about seven, eight years ago already. Um, but all that data that came from it, we had to analyze that in some way. And I was working at a department during my internship where we were using Cognos, which is even more horrible if you ask me. Uh, because that's really focusing on large enterprise stuff and not really for something somebody that, that's doing his education or trying to finish his education. Um, so back then, Barbie I came up and I was at a point in, in my studies where I uh, actually told to my manager back then, like, hey, this new thing, what is it? Can, can I start using it? Can I just try it? Um, and they said yes. So that's where I all started, where it all started with trying out Power BI. Um, and shortly after I finished my internship uh, successfully, um, 
because it was more like an investigation thing. And after that, uh, there was another department in that same organization who asked me if I could do an, an, an inter, uh, some research to creating a, a 360 degree customer view based on dynamic CRM data with Power BI together with whatever data they can find about that customer. So that was more on the integration part of Power BI with everything there was back then. Um, so during my studies, I already started working with Power BI when it was, well, in preview state, it wasn't doing what we are used to do today. Um, and that's basically where it all started because then I still had to finish one more internship, which is the graduation internship, uh, where I did something with what was called the Azure IoT Hub. And I started analyzing data coming from uh, trains in India. And all these trains were equipped with uh, sensors to see the incoming power, the, the fuel usage, uh, and tons of sensors they had. And all this data was captured in a device which was sent over a mobile network back to the Netherlands. Um, so that they could know when this train was potentially going to cause issues. And why did I want to know that? Because a lot of train tracks in India are a single way. And if one train got stuck there, that has a very big impact. And that is why they wanted to know what is the current state of this train? Can we learn from the data to see if it maybe needs to go in remise for any time soon? Um, so we first needed to start collecting all this data. And that's what we did with the Azure IoT Hub and of course Power BI on top of that. I can tell you back then I started exploring direct query in Power BI uh, with such volumes data that was not a very good idea. Really? Um, although I was less experienced than I am now, um, but I thought, yeah, direct query, let's go for it. It's a good idea. Well. Now I might have a different opinion. Um, but at least that, that was my uh, graduation internship. And after that, I started working at that same company. Uh, did that for one and a half year. Power BI was still very immature. Uh, luckily, I was joined by another colleague who was more into CRM, but was willing to explore Power BI also a little bit more. So we uh, teamed up. Uh, we were basically the Power BI team in an organization of around four and all 5,000 people. Um, we had a lot of BI experience, but with tons of other tools and not with Power BI. Um, and yeah, well, that, that's where it all started. This guy left after a while, I left the company. So I was on my own. I had to convince other people in the organization that they should start using Power BI and, or at least uh, start exploring it. But after one and a half years, I did some various projects with Power BI at clients. And I thought it was time to, to move on. I wanted to be surrounded by more like-minded people, people I could learn from, uh, a lot of other folks that, that are doing Microsoft technology, where my previous employer was doing everything where they could earn money, basically. Um, so they did ClickView, they did Cognos, they did Tableau, Power BI, just what a client asked for it. They were the expert in it, of course. Uh, at least that's what they told them. Um, but after that, uh, it all uh, escalated from there. <laughs> and that's four years ago, actually uh, four years and eight days ago. 
and eight days ago. Wow, you keep track. Oh, well, I know that I started in, uh, uh, on the 1st of February. Oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Then again, you do work with data. So, yeah. Uh, it, it, I just realized we met the first time. Was it in Oslo? I think it was. Uh, was it December? No, it, it was not December. It was because we were sitting outside. We were having a beer afterwards. And it was a decent enough weather. And that is not December in Oslo. Uh, I think it was SQL, SQL Saturday in Oslo a couple of years back. SQL Saturday is in August, typically. Right. Was it that that SQL Saturday that we went to the forest the day after and that I decided it was a good idea to go swimming? I've heard stories. I wasn't there because I had to run home and catch a plane. But I, I seem to remember that that might have been your first speaking gig um, outside of, of smaller events. Was that No, true? actually it was not. Uh, at the day I joined my current employer, at the day I joined McCall, I had to inform them like, hey, I signed up to be a speaker at the Dutch Power BI user day, which is uh, a large event with about, oh, I think back then, five, 600 people. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really like, I hope they agree with this because I had no clue what I was up to. Uh, and they actually said, yeah, perfect idea. Go for it. Do whatever you need to do. Let us know how much time you need, if we can support you in any way. Um, and that was on my first day, basically. Because from the moment I started, I only had one month left till that event. Um, though it was not really the first speaking gig because there's also something called the Big Data Expo in the Netherlands, which is a... A uh, pretty large event as well on uh, uh, one of the main event places in, in Utrecht, in the, uh, really in the center of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And I presented there my graduation internship results um, as part of yeah some sort of marketing show for my previous employer. Um, but that was really the first speaking gig. Then the Power BI User Day in Dutch, Power BI Gebruikersdag. Um And that was the, the first Power BI focused thing. And after that, in September 2018, I went to Copenhagen and it was the first one abroad. And it was in, um, what was it called back then? Power Platform Summit something? Well, back to then it was not even Power Platform, I think. Back in 20, um, I was in... in Copenhagen in 2018 as well, I think. But but I, I keep thinking that it was in in um, in Norway that we met. Yeah, I, I, the first time I visited Norway after that, because this was the first one abroad, was Copenhagen. The second one was Oslo, and on the 5th of December uh, in 2018. And right. I still remember this because uh, I really liked to, to, to do that. But actually, the day before the 4th of December, it's the birthday of my mother. So I had to tell her like, hey mom, uh, happy birthday, but I'm now jumping on a plane, I'm going, bye. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, so in in Norway, I, I distinctly remember as, oh yeah, that, that was the weirdest thing. We were sitting at this this table and, and having a beer outside and 
another guy sits right next to me. I think you were sitting um, opposite of me. And he looks at my my shirt. I had one of the, the Needy Pintech shirts on. And he went, oh, that's nice swag. Where, do, do you know where you can buy that? <laughs> and, and I looked at him, what, uh, what, what do you mean? Well, that's a great podcast. Wait, where did you buy the t-shirt? Well, it's my podcast. And he almost dropped his beer because he hadn't connected the dots and realized that, yes, I, I'm one of the, the people behind the, the podcast. That was Thrill, by the way. Um, and he's kind of established in the speaker circuit as well now. I don't remember who that was, to be honest. Uh, he Now, the, these days, he's speaking about not necessarily Microsoft stuff. Uh, he, he used to do a lot of DevOpsy things. Um, mm-hmm. but he, he keeps falling over stuff like Google BigQuery and, 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 and that kind of stuff, I, I think, but, meh. and I, I, mm. I accidentally, by the way, called snowflake cornflake today. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, entirely sure that that was the best way of putting it, but yeah, anyway, so what, what's your view on, on Power BI? I mean, you've been at this for quite some time and you've seen the this piece of software grow and evolve and i i've been there from the beginning when it wasn't even power bi it was power query uh no um power pivot and that kind of stuff we don't talk about that anymore so what's oh, your it's view on it? so you it's can't very talk about it anymore well so is sql server 2008 and r2 but it's still out there True, true. If you, if you work for banks, then you will probably still find it in production. Yeah, but if you're working for a bank, you should probably learn COBOL. <laughs> There's a lot of money to be made. But yeah, uh, again, you've, you've been at this for quite some time. What's what's your view on, on this technology and where, where are we going with this? Well, I think it, it's... If you really compare Power BI with a few years ago and, and today, uh, there is a massive difference. You can really see that Microsoft is investing in this area and it is very well adopted by the community. Um, but also, I think the community is a unique thing, in especially for Power BI, but also for other Microsoft services, which is really one of the drivers behind the success of, of this, this tool and this, this platform, basically. Because I think that the, the community makes this unique difference by providing a lot of feedback and new ideas and, and engaging with, with Microsoft. Um, which allows them to to take these massive steps forward. Because without this feedback, uh, how would they ever come up with the amazing stuff that they have in the tool today? And I think that that's really something, what I really like about the tool and where you see that, uh, that it's uh, enabling a lot of these business users who are familiar with Power, Power Query and Power Pivot, uh, as we just talked about, um, and allows these these users, all these Excel users, to start exploring Power BI, which is, can do so much more than building spreadsheets and, and pivot tables. Um, and especially if you start looking at integration, for for example, with Power BI Embedded, integrated in, in custom applications, or um, not even talking about the huge volumes of data that you can work with with Power BI if you connect it to a decent data platform in Azure or Azure Synapse Analytics. And I think that that is the, the way forward as well, which you see that they already made massive steps forward, but then um, there will be new things coming up. Uh, I trust there will be new things coming up on 
uh, even allowing business users to do more with massive volumes of data. Up till today, there are still some things in Power BI that you really need to know what you're doing uh, before you can handle that huge volumes of data. And I think that is where, where the power of this tool is. You can do so much, but there can also go a few things wrong if you just click the, uh, the wrong buttons. Direct query uh, and a lot of switch statements come to mind? Yeah, basically that. Or if you import it, uh, uh, leave auto date time on or something like that. Why would you do that? Friends don't let friends use auto date time. But yeah, no, <laughs> keep, keep going. But yeah, I think basically it's such a powerful tool already. Um, but by making a few things easier for, for business users primarily, it can do so much more. Um, while also I can think of, yeah, more integrations, not only integrations in um, Power Platform, because that is definitely an, an, an interesting area, uh, integrating a Power app in, in Power BI, but also the other way around. Um, or whatever you can do with Power Automate to distribute paginated reports to your users, if you like, or uh, to automate certain things in such a no-code, low-code, low-level experience, where basically every every business user who has the right licenses can start playing around with it. And of course, if you look at the integration on, on larger data platforms, think about orchestration integrations, where you can orchestrate your Power BI pipelines, uh, deployment pipelines from Azure DevOps. This is one of the recent recent things that came out is the, this Microsoft uh, native extension for, for Azure DevOps to trigger your Power BI deployment pipelines. I think it's super powerful and strong move towards being more enterprise ready and, and even more than they already are. Um, but definitely for these large enterprises and corporates, to make it also not only that self-service tool, but also the corporate BI tool. And that kind of brings me to one of these interesting philosophical questions. So I'm coming from the back end. That's where I cut my teeth on, on SQL Server and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm- On the dark side. On the dark side. Yes, sir. You know, I'm I'm on the dark side and we have cookies. And one of the, the issues that I often face when it comes to explaining what is Power BI and where does Power BI fit in, it is this fantastic self-service BI tool, which can basically play havoc on any and all established BI. But on the same time, if you combine it with a good BI platform, be it Synapse, be it Data Warehouse, be it doesn't matter, but if, if they work in lockstep, then you can really unlock the potential of Power BI. But how, how do you... How do you approach this? How do you have this conversation, especially with people coming from Excel, meaning that everything in their life is a matrix, anything else is boring and wrong? And then how do you how do you connect that to the actual BI platform and how do you make them play nice? Well, I think it all starts with the positioning of Power BI within an organization. If you look at different approaches that you can take, uh, how do you position Power BI as primarily self-service tool, or do you put it in uh, a corporate BI tool, or maybe a blended format in, in between where data models will be provided by BI or by an IT-driven uh, team. But the business user can start using uh, Analyze in Excel if they want, or enable them with Power BI to connect to that managed data set. And I think that is one of the key drivers behind it, that 
even those users who really want to stick to Excel, and you cannot convince them to to start exploring something differently than that, um, they can because it is integrated. If you just click one simple button in in the Power BI service, you connect it to Excel, and you use the very same data set, but then in Excel. Um, But personally, I would say that if you have a group of those users in front of you and you want to convince them that they should start using Power BI, the very first thing I would tell them is see how easy it is. Here's your data set. It is already connected. It is just drag and drop and you create your visuals. But there's one key thing that they always stick with and that is I want to see a table with my data. And they don't want to see a bar chart, column chart, tree map, whatever. They want a table or a matrix because that's what they're used to do. And actually, I had uh, last week I had a workshop with a, a, a with a client where I had a few of those users, and I had to convince them on their very first day with with no background information. We started that day with this is Power BI, and you will start using Power BI today. Um, this guy's background was basically his entire career in the past 30 years was Excel. And I had to tell him, start using Power BI as of today. This is what you will use in your job going forward. Um, He was really willing to learn it. um, And he also tried. Um, But the first thing that went wrong is he started importing a flat table. um, Because he was used to work with tables as uh, joining them together. And while I said to him, like, did you use Power Query in Excel? Yes, I did. Did you use Power Pivot? Yes, I did. So basically, you know this concept. So why are you start importing flat tables? Um, But that was already an interesting discussion. And after that, when he started visualizing the data, he started directly building matrices and caring about conditional formatting. And if this number goes beyond this this threshold, I want to make it red. And I was like, really, really, you really want to do this? You can also go for uh, just a column chart and sort it from large to small. Then you directly see the outliers or put a filter on it. I only want to see what is above this threshold because the rest is not interesting because it probably fits your expectation. Um, so there was really a different mindset. Instead of viewing everything and then highlighting the the uh, attention points, you really focus on what matters for them and not bother the, your users with everything that doesn't matter. And I think that is also a, a different mindset that they, they have to grow into. So we were basically back to that tech is comparatively easy. The issue is is people, making them see... <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that that's that's nothing inherently wrong in, in people. People are not necessarily stupid, but change is hard. And taking a step back and looking at something you've been done for thirty years in a specific way and realizing, oh, I I'm not thinking of what I'm trying to achieve. I'm just doing this the way I've always done it. And asking a user to explain why are you doing this? What are you trying to achieve? Well, I'm, I'm creating my table. No, you're not. That's the way you're doing it. But what are you trying to achieve? That kind of discussion, that kind of narrative is is difficult, especially for 
technically minded people. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've hit on something that I, I hit on very early in my career when I was training people. This 20 something upstart is not going to tell me how to do my job. Mm-hmm. That one's hard because again, we're back to people and preconceptions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dutch. So, uh, I don't have any patience. Uh, I, 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 simply don't have any patience, especially me. Um, but if people start going that way, like, hey, you're, you just started your career, you're only 26 years old, so why the hell are you going to tell me what I should do? Then I'm really like, okay, go ahead. And then you don't trust me. Good luck with the rest of your life. Because I, I, a few times, I think two or three years ago, I started that discussion with somebody like, why shouldn't you trust me? And why do you, don't you want to listen to me? And that was the most horrible discussion I ever had. So I was like, okay, then you don't trust me. Good luck with the rest of your life. You're here to learn something for me. If you don't want to learn, then you can go. That is, so people tend to say that Swedes can be a bit abrasive. I don't think we have anything on the Dutch because I, I love it. Well, this person came to a training and you can come to your training to learn something. If you don't want to learn, whatever you what what are you doing here? Then yeah. go home. True. So I'm going to tell you a story. And and this, it was weird 25 years ago. It's even weirder today. Um, and I'm curious to see your reaction to it. So what happened was I, I started teaching Oracle uh, because that was when I was starting working and then doing uh, performance tuning and, and internals because I I was into that back then. Yeah, I found a way out of it. And I was always doing it the way that I did everything, basically. I was wearing a pair of jeans and some kind of nerdy t-shirt, predominantly Star Wars or Star Trek. And I didn't see an issue with this. And what always happened on these five-day courses was that I step into the the uh, the room and I started talking and I literally lost everyone. And then I had to play catch-up for the rest of the week. And come Friday, everybody was super happy with the training, but it was always an absolute disaster come Monday evening. Then one day I had an idea, and that is a scary thing, but I I went with it anyways. I started wearing a suit. (laughs) Yeah, but something happened. Suddenly, I didn't lose people. So I realized that my my wearing of a suit was more in line with their expectations. It didn't make me a better trainer. God knows it mm-hmm. did not because that suit did not fit me at all. But it, it comes to these preconceptions and playing into your audience and playing into to your, your, your students. Now it's 2022. Very few people wear suits outside of the US. I kind of, realized what's your take on something like that how how does things work in in the netherlands uh if i just think back the last time that i wore a suit was in my previous job and that was basically when i was doing my first presentation on that big data expo did you enjoy the suit no (laughs) (laughs) well i think i wore it one time after that was it with the uh wedding of my sister but that was a good reason to do it fair enough It, it generally weddings or funerals Exactly. And after that, uh, I, went, 
I know that when I started working at my current job and when I the first day I visited the client, um, because I had the first few weeks internal and then the first day I visited the client, I discussed this with my former manager, like, hey, should I wear a suit? And he literally said, whatever you prefer, I don't care. You're going there for your knowledge and your expertise, not because of what you're wearing. And the story you just shared, I do recognize it, but I learned from uh, a guy that I know very well, uh, Dutch data dude, AKA Jeroen Terheert, program manager at the Power BI team. Um, I learned from him and he presented a lot as well when he lived in the Netherlands. Um, it doesn't matter. People come here to learn something for you. And if you feel more comfortable in wearing a nerd shirt and jeans, do it. You should feel comfortable. You're on stage, you should present there. Um, and basically that's what I really remember from a dinner that I had with him where he told me this, which was in Seattle, by the way. Um, and, uh, after that, I just took that. And if I'm going to clients today, I'm basically always wearing jeans, but I every now and then still wear shirts. Uh, but if I go to our own office, I will always wear nerd shirts or things like that. And especially now working from home, um, I'm basically wearing hoodies and nerd shirts. Are you wearing pants? <laughs> of course. Okay, <laughs> just just checking. This is one of the reasons why this podcast is audio only, by the way. Now, and, and I, I, I totally agree with you. These days, it would be a stretch to say that I couldn't care less. I mean, I, I don't try to... I'm not going to come in or to a customer meeting with, with a, a torn shirt or... or torn pair of, pair of jeans. But as, as long as everything is in ship shape, yeah. anything goes. Because as you say, it's not about what you're wearing or what you are what you look like. It's what you're saying and what's there. But it, it, it takes, it takes some, some, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you need to, you need to trust your, your own skills to be able True. to do that. Because otherwise, what I ended up doing was using this, the the suit as a, a stretcher for, or, or yeah, for for starters, and kind of a scaffolding thing. And then I realized, okay, this is what happens. What happens if I scale this back? And then I kind of changed my my tune. And at the end of the day, I could get away with teaching again with my nerd shirts. But it was mm -hmm. something there. Just just realizing that I I kind of lost my students because of something. Um, it gave me an interesting tidbit to work with as as I matured in my career. Yeah, well, I'm, really, I'm not thinking, why should I ever wear a suit again? I don't see a reason to do it. Besides, I might go for a wedding myself or a funeral or whatever. Otherwise, I don't see a reason to do it. And if I'm going to for the first day to a new client, then I would care a little bit more about what I'm wearing. But still, it wouldn't be a shoot. A suit, uh, but um, after like one or two days, when they know me a little bit more, then I don't care anymore. Then I just go in in jeans and whatever shirt is on top that day. <laughs> whatever shirt is on top. Now that's a top tip right there from Mark. Use whatever shirt is on top. It's also a dangerous one. Well, fair enough. So that brings us to the question: How how do you fold your shirts? 
do, do you roll them or do you fold them or how do you put them in your, your closet? I don't. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. Uh, well, you should actually, actually ask my girlfriend about this. <laughs> I was like, so easy, like, okay, why should I even, um, if they come from the, the washing machine, you just hang them to dry them. But why <laughs> should I even take them away there and put them in the closet if I'm just going to wear them again in one or two days? So you just leave them there till you need it again. <laughs> Fair enough. That's optimized. But that's basically me being single back then. And when I put them in the closet, it was basically, okay, you just hang him again in the closet because you don't have to fold it. <laughs> a friend of mine actually bought a second dishwasher because she re reasoned that she she did her wash and uh, her dishes and then she took out a a cup or whatever. She used that and then she just put it back in the other dishwasher. And when <laughs> that was full, she did that and she kept going to and fro. So not unlike what you used to do so does this mean that your girlfriend is now um, folding your shirts or has she taught you how to do it oh she's doing this i i do the what i put everything in the washing machine and etc but she's folding the shirts and put them back in the closet <laughs> interesting we might need to have her on this podcast as well poor soul <laughs> i mean it, it's it I'm, I'm sure that she's heard about your no, you've not been together so long, so you have not been out uh, speaking so much when you were together, right? Uh, well, only for one time, which was uh, Copenhagen in September, last September. Probably a next step. Oh, right, yeah. right. Oh, I was going there by car because I didn't want to have the hassle with all COVID tests, etc., with flying. And as I thought, like, a. I only have to cross Germany, then I go into Denmark, shouldn't be that bad. Um, but? Oh, it turned out that it was a at least eight hour drive. Um, but we were with the three of us, another Dutch MVP, Nicky van Vroenhoven, he joined us. And while we were going by car, I told my girlfriend, hey, if you don't have anything to do that weekend, you can come with us. Um, so with the three of us, we jumped on the car and we drove to Copenhagen. Oh. Uh, the way to get there was not that bad, but the way back was horrible. Basically because um, that morning, that Sunday morning or Saturday morning, we only first had a boat trip with all the other speakers and all the other folks that were uh, there. So if you brought a plus one, you could bring her on the boat trip as well. So I did. But after that boat trip, we jumped on the car and drove back home, which was around lunchtime. And then you jump in the car for... 800 kilometers. <laughs> Yay. So what you're saying is you've already brought your girlfriend to one of the speaking gigs. Yes. And she is still together with you. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, that, that says something about Asuka's event, that she's still around. Now, <laughs> and I mean, when the world gets back on its feet, hopefully fairly soon, um, you're going to be out speaking a lot more, I would assume. Well, I'm already planning a few uh, few uh, next trips. Um, first one coming up will be Sequel Bits in beginning of March. Uh, there she won't come because she has to work too, and I will be staying around there for the entire week. Um, and the next one after that, 
well, maybe uh, Stockholm, but not sure yet. Because oh, you're going to, to Stockholm. <laughs> I have to convince my uh, my employer that they have to buy me tickets. <laughs> Shoot me their their contact information. We'll sort that because you're going to Stockholm. <laughs> I will sort it out. Uh, and after that, uh, um, the next one up will be Data Grillen, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. In Germany. And that's, uh, again, two days. Yeah, two days. Thursday, Friday. That's in June. And all these three are uh, on-site events. So I'm really looking forward to that. Although there will still be COVID measures and everything. I don't care. I just want to get out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, I can't wait to get back. So I, I went to Oslo to do um, NDC. And mm. I was speaking on the Friday and the saturday i think and f- on or it was thursday and, and saturday and, and friday they shut the country down oh, and really? we went from a couple of thousand at the venue to more than f- no more than 400 that's it everybody were literally thrown out uh, that was a weird experience so yeah let's not have that again nope it's been so great to chat with you. I, I I had no idea that you had not been on. Uh, that was an oversight from my my side. Not going to happen again. Uh, so, do you have anything, any any final words about anything? Well, any final words? I hope to have, to meet every listener to this podcast one day at some event somewhere in wherever. Who knows? That would be fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how much listeners you normally have, but... <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask. We're uh, roughly a 1,000 per month. Um, so a 1,000 people spend 45 minutes listening well, to... Well, then to I'm happy that, I, that it's not a, a good thing to do to shake hands right now because shaking a 1,000 hands is not a good idea. <laughs> no, and uh, you're probably going to get sore in your muscles as well. And we exactly. don't want to have that. Well, yeah. on that bombshell, I think it's time to end. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. And I can't wait to see you in person in, in London at Bits. Yes. Honor was all mine. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmarinen. If you have any feedback questions or would like to be part of an episode please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at